Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hello, Jonathan. How's it going? Getting in the Christmas spirit around here. We've had Christmas parties and Christmas breakfasts and Christmas lunches. So, you know, just uh, the festive time of year is upon us. Yeah, it's really uh, it's really fun. And uh, same, same here, lots of things going on uh, Things for the kids at school, work events, uh, church events, just lots of lots of fun. Yep, uh, I've got a field trip to go to with Parker. Nice to uh, Traveler's Rest Plantation here in Nashville. Oh, that's in my old neighborhood. So, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I heard plantation and I was all in. Growing up from Louisiana with all the antebellum homes and everything, right. those are always just kind of fun for me to visit. So, it's the the home of Judge John Overton, and he would be. I don't remember. It's been okay. a long time since I went. He was a judge. <laughs> and his, his first name was oh, John. Uh, and his, yeah, and Overton High School. Oh, named okay. After him. All right. Okay. I knew I knew that name. I'm, I'm the yeah. you know, Overton. I, I just so, didn't know where o- Overton High is in, in the area, which Overton High actually at one time had a really, really great uh, head wrestling coach and assistant football coach. Uh, that would be your brother, I'm guessing. No, it was my dad. Oh, actually, your dad. Okay. When I was like two. But named after Judge John Overton. And that's fun. I did field trips there when I was a kid. All right. Well, we've got another great show this week. We've got an interview coming up with Mike Rout later in the episode. Uh, he's a pastor out in Colorado, former chairman of the executive committee, and uh, currently serves as the president of the Colorado Baptist Convention. Uh, we got a great talk with him about some of the new legislation going on out there, as well as uh, the status of the executive director search to fill the role. Uh, Mark Edlin is vacating in June. So uh, you may want to stick around for that. Uh, But first, before we get into the news, starting in 1888, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering was established to empower the international missions efforts of Southern Baptists. After more than a century, the annual offering continues its steady growth. The national goal this year is $155 million, and your giving enables missionaries to be sent to make disciples and multiply churches among unreached peoples and places for the glory of God. Uh, so you can find out more about that. You can actually give directly to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering at imb.org. There's a link at SBC this week and everything like that. Our big missions offering this week, Amy, uh, is, is coming this weekend. So looking forward to that. We have our big missions, you know, Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, going on this weekend. So got a, a kind of a big goal, too, $100,000. Wow, that's really exciting. Yeah, we now we do that. Our, our church uh, gives to that, of course, but we also take up offering for Lottie Moon uh, at the seminary at our last two chapels of the semester. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of a special, a special time. And we did that uh, a couple weeks ago for our last two chapels. And, um, and it's, it's just a nice way for the students who many of them are kind of away from their home churches and things like that. They get an opportunity to give that way too. Yeah. We have a, a couple of offerings that we take up at the camps at Lifeway during the summer. Uh, that yeah. we split between IMB and NAM. Uh, there's a formula that goes into that. So we give several hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think somewhere over $400,000 this past year went to IMB uh, for their international missions efforts. So exciting to see all the entities pulling together to help out missions causes overseas and here in the U.S. through NAM and IMB. Yes. All right. Well, let's move into it. Uh, speaking of the SBC 2017, going to start with a call to prayer announced this past week, and uh, five emphases 
over the span of January 2017. Yeah, so it's a month, it's a month long focus, but the the goal is to kind of kick off the new year in that way. And the focus what better is, way to kick it off than prayer, right? That's, that's right. The focus is um, in all things pray, and uh, so it has a a web page that's been established uh, in all things pray dot net. Um, we'll have the whole Baptist Press release in the show notes as well as a link to that site. Yeah, and there's uh, tons a, of resources at that site. I mean, downloadables, yeah, there's graphics, everything really. you need. Um, so definitely check that out. Yeah, a lot of things where you can use as a prayer guide for you personally. And also, uh, if you are um, a pastor or a leader, um, you can download resources to use for your church. Lots of different emphases, uh, myself and my family, my community and friends, my church ministries, my country and its peoples, and my world and its people groups. Yep. So each Sunday in January has a specific emphasis, and Amy just went through those. So you can find out more about that, like we said, in in allthingspray.net. And uh, we have the link here to that story at sbcthisweek.com. Also around the SBC this week, some leaders defending religious liberty versus gender laws had more than 20 Southern Baptist leaders and more than 75 uh, church leaders, conservative church leaders, from across the land uh, sign on to a statement uh, put out by the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Yeah, and this is really just dealing with the question uh, that's happening all the time, that is, as these laws come up regarding sexual orientation, gender identity, there are a lot of layers to everything, uh, but in this, when those aspects are sort of added as um, a protected class in certain ways, Really, it's just caused a lot of people in the ministry to say, we still need to stand for religious freedom uh, to be able to have a particular position about gender, about creation, about marriage, things like that, that we believe every person bears the image of God, deserving of dignity, respect, and just treatment. That's uh, some comments from Dr. Russell Moore uh, to Baptist Press. So not at all wanting to treat anyone uh, in a way that, that is not of dignity, but just the ability, whether it's you know professionals, the wedding industry is the one that kind of pops up a lot, that there is some thought for religious freedom of individuals. And so this was just a statement. Uh, the Colson Center um, for Christian Worldview put it out, uh, but then a lot of people kind of signed on to yep. it to just stand together. And many of them were Southern Baptists. Yeah, and among those signatories were Danny Aiken, Jason Allen, Al Moeller, Paige Patterson, uh, former SBC president. Uh, those are all seminary presidents. Former SBC president Fred Luter. Uh, Russell Moore, the president at ERLC, Bruce Ashford, Timothy George, uh, Dub Oliver, Robert Sloan, Jerry Johnson, David Whitlock, Kevin Smith, and many others. So uh, you can find out more about that and even sign on to the statement at colsoncenter.org slash freedom. All right, some news from Lifeway. If you've been to Nashville in the last few months, you've noticed in downtown Nashville, the Billy Graham statue is no yes. longer on the corner right across from the SBC Executive Building on the Lifeway property there because it's no That's longer right. the Lifeway property. After we sold uh, the, the uh, property there in downtown and are constructing a new building, the Billy Graham statue that was there has now been moved to Ridgecrest. I was at Ridgecrest a couple weeks ago, saw the new uh, statue uh, location, and honestly, as good as it looked in downtown Nashville, it looks so much more like where it, it needs to be in yeah. Ridgecrest right there at the entrance of the uh, the conference center there. It works, yeah. So where it was in Nashville, for those of you who haven't seen it, it was really right in the middle of a bustling downtown. I mean, just busy all the time, and you got 
traffic and it's just right there on the corner, you know, but when you see, of course, I haven't seen it up close uh, since it's been moved, but when you see it in in these pictures, just kind of surrounded by the trees and a very natural setting, it really does fit well. So Yeah. yeah. So transition from Nashville to Asheville. Yes. And, uh, they put it in, uh, an area right there, right. As you pull into the property at the, the checkpoint at the gate there. And it honestly, it looks like it's been there forever. I mean, they did a great job of kind of blending it in this, uh, the stand in the area that they have put it up. Uh, you can see the picture at Baptist press, but I mean, it blends in like it's always been there. It's amazing. Right. Like it was made for that spot. Exactly. Like it was made for that spot. So if you're in the Ridgecrest area, go by, get your picture taken with Billy and uh let's let's see some pictures so i, I took a picture cool. of the other day just, when i was there and it's just a few miles from his house so mm-hmm. where he lives yeah he lives so. up in montreat north carolina there and uh the billy graham the cove is just right down the road a couple of exits away just past swananoa on the other side yeah. of uh black mountain so a lot of billy graham stuff in the Asheville, north carolina area yes we covered something similar to this next story and, and it kind of relates to this even though this is not a southern baptist church Lakeshore Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, amended their bylaws November 30th to identify as a welcoming and affirming community, accepting all persons into membership and full participation in the life and ministry of their congregation. Uh, basically pushing back against what we had talked about about the BGCT a couple weeks ago and their new official uh, statement that any church which affirms a sexual relationship outside the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman it will be considered out of harmonious cooperation. So with that statement, you're seeing some more of these churches kind of rebuff that um, from the BGCT. So it'll be interesting to see how the BGC handles this going forward. This is just one church, even though it's not an SBC church, we talk about the BGCT because of the state convention there in the state of Texas. Yeah. um, And I think we kind of expected this, this would happen. Um, It's because some churches were very, unhappy with that decision. Some of them were going to have to decide where they landed on this. And and they did. And Lakeshore um, has indicated they know what will happen most likely next with the BGCT. So they're uh, clearly prepared for that. But, you know, this is just one of those situations I think we're going to continue to see in different settings. Yep. And uh, won't be the last one that we see from the state of Texas and more than likely from any other uh, states as well. So yeah, there was a, an interesting um, op-ed I sent to you from Roger Olson, I think. Yes. Uh, that really talked about, and it was in the Texas area, and it talked about the BGCT decision. Uh, just, you know, of course, this was a column. This wasn't a, you know, a, this wasn't a news article. It was an opinion piece, but it was talking about how uh how Baptists work, what, how the Baptist system works and what autonomy means and how that plays out in situations like this. I thought he actually did a very good job of explaining, um, explaining that. Yep. I would agree. So, uh, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, I'm sure this won't be the last one we hear from, uh, you know, like I said, out of Texas or any other state. So it's, it's something that churches all over the U S are dealing with and all over our convention as well. All right, Amy, uh, what kind of grade did you get in geography in college and high school? Well, actually, and this might explain things a little bit, um, geography at that time in Tennessee, I don't know what it is now, was not really a requirement at the high school level. I think they just kind of tried to incorporate it in into other things. And 
not in college either. So I never actually took geography. That may explain some things. All right. Um, I, I share part of the blame here too. But uh, we two weeks ago, we thought we were done with state conventions. Uh, recaps. Last week, we thought we were done with state convention recaps. This week, no, we've got more. So uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe There's probably should, another one next year, next week. You know what we should do? We should do this on the site. We should make a map and like color them in whenever we, you know, we should kind of like you color the states red and blue for the election. We could just color in every time we cover different regions and then everyone can see. You can link to the stories and then we could also look at it and know that there are more left. All right. So we apologize to the states that are forthcoming, yes. starting with the Northwest Baptist yeah, Convention. Yeah, the Northwest Baptist Convention. Uh, Randy Adams, the executive director up there, hosted a, the uh, event in the Spokane area. They passed a budget of $5.067 million, uh, just under uh, $200,000 less than their allocation the previous year. And they anticipate $2.8 million and CP giving from Northwest Baptist Convention churches, and we'll pass on 27.75% of that to the national CP, same percentage as 2015. Uh, they also celebrated the addition of 17 new congregations and the establishments of 22 new church plants. Yeah, that's that's really exciting uh, to be happening up there in the Northwest. They have uh, all the current officers were reelected. President Steve Bryant from Highland Baptist Church in Redmond, Oregon. First Vice President Matthew Savage, pastor of Journey Church in Everett, Washington. And second Vice President Josh Martin, worship pastor of Resonate Church, Pullman, Washington. Now, this is interesting. When you look at that, it says the president, Steve Bryant, is a member of Highland Baptist Church. So I'm going to assume he's a layman. Mm-hmm. So you have a, um, a member a pastor and a worship pastor. A lot of times you, you don't see that. And uh, I, of course, I'm grateful for all of our pastors that step up and serve at these uh, at these levels. But it's really uh, something to see. I, I like to see these that are, are varied. I think it's yeah. worth noting. Always exciting to see lay member involvement, especially in leadership positions within the denomination. They also yes. adopted uh, 10 resolutions. So uh, a good conference and annual meeting up there in Spokane for the Northwest Baptist Convention. Now, excellent. over to Pennsylvania, South Jersey. Amy? Let's uh, jump some, all the some way. Some news in there, yeah, all the way on the other side of the country. Yes. Uh, so, first of all, they celebrated the upcoming retirement of the interim executive director and treasurer, uh, Stan Smith. Uh, and to, to many of our listeners, he'll be no, no stranger. He's been in Baptist uh, life particularly up in that area for a very long time. Um, He has had 32 years with the Baptist Resource Network of Pennsylvania, South Jersey. Um, And so he is retiring in March 2017. He had been Associate Executive Director and Director of the Missions Division. And uh, and then when their Executive Director, David Waltz, retired in March 2016, uh, Stan Smith stepped in as interim. So uh, there's a lot to honor, not just in his time as the interim exec, but in all of his years that he has served. Uh, Pennsylvania, South Jersey. Yeah, they passed a new budget of just over $2.9 million, uh, which is a 2.68% increase over last year, and also includes uh, 26.1% of cooperative program giving, uh, which they anticipate at $908,000. Moving on to the uh, CP to the national levels, which is a 0.1% increase from 2016. 
Also, they elected new officers, President Kevin Roberts, pastor of Community Baptist Church, First Vice President George Tynes, pastor of Truth Baptist Church in Philadelphia, and other officers included Elizabeth Bange, a member of Stewartstown Baptist Church in Stewartstown, Pennsylvania, Assistant Recording Secretary Antoinette Bowie, a member of Ezekiel Baptist Church in Philly, and historian Frederick Bolke, a member of Paoli Baptist Church in Paoli, Pennsylvania, and parliamentarian, though they have a parliamentarian that they elect, Amy, uh, Jeff Slagle, a member of Mason-Dixie yes. Baptist Church in New Freedom, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Now, every state convention has a parliamentarian, uh, I believe, but many of them are different. Some of them are uh, appointed in the same way that we do at the SBC. I think some they actually uh, have pulled from other states, people who come and, and serve. Uh, but this one is interesting. It's someone that they elect. I'm going to talk to Milton and see what I can do for you in North Carolina there, Amy. Yeah. You know, this year that, w- that wouldn't have worked. I was on my way to ETS. That's so. right. That's right. Well, yeah. well, we'll figure that out maybe next year. But that's okay. I'm sure there's someone has served for a long time in that. So. All right. Let's travel to Hawaii. Oh, that, uh, it's been a long time since I've visited Hawaii, but, uh, I would love, maybe they could, we could go there, um, at some point or one of us could go to cover that meeting. We'll yeah. have to, we'll, we'll see. have to see. Uh, they welcomed, happen. yeah, the, so the messengers to the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention annual meeting had something kind of neat. They welcomed a Russian speaking church into their fellowship. Um, and so I think it was kind of the highlight uh, the highlight of their meeting, it's the Honolulu Slavic Church, and it's the first Russian-speaking church to cooperate with uh, the state convention in Hawaii. And it brings the total number of ethnic language congregations to 12. All right. They also approved an overall budget of $2.915 million with a CP split of 31.5 on to the national CP with 68.5% staying there in the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention. John Indris was reelected president. Robert Ueda was uh, reelected the first vice president. Amy, he's an associate pastor of the English Department of Hawaii Chinese Baptist Church in Honolulu. Wow. So uh, a bilingual church. That's kind of cool. Wes Haguchi was reelected the second vice president, and Hazel Kappenpin was elected for the third term as the recording secretary. All right, and some sad news this week from the state of West Virginia. President Ron McCoy, the state convention president, uh, the current state convention president, uh, passed away this past week at 78 of cancer. Yeah, that was a really sad uh, thing to read. And um, he, again, he had, it was in his second term. um, So he had just spoken at the state convention and then was reelected and he had urged the people there, uh, the messengers, to be catalysts for revival. Uh, so I, I know that obviously is difficult for his uh, his church, his family, for everyone around, but I'm sure uh, for a lot of people, a lot of Baptists in West Virginia, especially having just uh, been with him and been inspired by him, um, I'm sure that that's tough, tough news. Very sad. Yep. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Ron McCoy. All right, Amy, 2017 annual meeting is going to be here before you know it. And we have a theme now. We do pray for such a time as this. Yeah, the SBC Executive Committee and President Steve Gaines announced that this past week. You can see all the information uh, draws from two verses, Esther 4.14, uh, the for such a time as this, and Luke 11.1. Uh, so you can find out more about that at uh, sbcannualmeeting.net. Uh, and Dr. Gaines is encouraging everyone to attend, just like uh, a lot of us. So uh, we'll be excited to be there, I know, again, and uh, be in Phoenix in June 
Nothing like being in Phoenix in June, Amy. Oh, don't let's not even talk about it. Well, it is like 15 degrees outside right now where I am, so I, I, I'm that 115 is looking pretty good. <laughs> nope, it's not going to be not that. It's not still way. looking good. It's okay. going to be oh so hot. But anyway, yeah. So you can see the whole story to really understand the story uh, behind. Uh, Dr. Gaines' choice in this and, and the message he really wants to send, what he wants to focus on. And this fits well with uh, we, the same week to announce the kickoff for 2017 to really focus on prayer. So it seems like that's going to be uh, something we talk about a lot in 2017. And Phoenix uh, will certainly be part of that. All right. Well, we mentioned it at the top of the show. We've got Mike Rout on the show this week uh, talking about all things Colorado. Here's our interview with him. Today on SBC This Week, we're joined by Pastor Mike Rout. Mike is the pastor at Circle Drive Baptist Church in the Colorado Springs area. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, I'm just pleased to be here, and thank you for having me on. Now, you're, you're kind of a, a star in Colorado. You're the president of the state convention, as well as uh, you, you were at one point the chairman of the executive committee for the Southern Baptist Convention, the, the national thing. So, like, uh, you, you've been some big leadership roles here. Well, you know, it's been a lot of fun, but, you know, the way that I view it is that it's just a great way to serve Southern Baptist, great way to serve Colorado Baptist and serve God's people. It's a it's a position of service, not of authority. Yeah. And I have really enjoyed uh, leading. And, and now you're kind of a Colorado transplant, originally from Kentucky, right? Absolutely. I came to Colorado about 14 years ago and uh, just believing that everything was just kind of the same. Boy, I was I very naive. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that in a second, but just give us a lay of the land on, uh, you know, we'll talk about at the end of the end of the interview what uh, the differences is and some of the, the things that you're having to deal with specifically in Colorado uh, due to some recent legislation in the state. But uh, give us kind of a lay of the land on what's going on in Southern Baptist life out there in Colorado. Yeah, we are. We're in a good position right now. Uh, Dr. Mark Edlund has led us as our executive director for the last 15 years and he has been a consummate servant leader. He, God's really used him to unite our convention. Uh, we have a wonderful spirit, wonderful sense of unity. Uh, we're together. You know, we're not divided at all. There's not any theological issues that we're arguing about, fighting about, uh, divided about. Uh, we are really pretty much together here in Colorado. Now, you mentioned Mark Edland, and we recently reported on the podcast. He announced his uh, resignation retirement, I guess. Uh, from the state executive director's role effective June of 2017. So he's got about six to seven months left in that role. And as the president of the state convention, you are tasked with uh, forming the search team and, and kind of getting them going you know, to, to find his successor. Yeah, exactly. And I'm in the process of doing that. Matter of fact, I've just about wrapped it up. Uh, what I wanted to do when I set out in uh, appointing this team is I wanted all of Colorado to be represented. Uh, we have a un unique uh, geographical situation in Colorado. We have the Eastern Plains. We have the Front Range, which is basically the I-25 corridor, uh, starting from the Wyoming border all the way down to New Mexico. You have Fort Collins, Loveland, Denver, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. And then you have what you call the Western Slope. Uh, the western slope is the western part of Colorado. And let me tell you, there is a vast difference in these three regions. But what I wanted to do was to represent all of Colorado Baptists. So at this time, I have one representative from the eastern plains. I have two representatives from the western slope. 
I have three representatives from the, the front range, and I'm looking for one more from the front range. Now, the front range is, is represented in a greater proportion on this team because 80% of Colorado's population is on the front range. Wow. I mean, we've got 4.24 million people living along the front range, which is 80% of Colorado's population. Mm. So what I'm wanting is a, a, you know, just a representation from all parts of the state. Uh, also, you know, I wanted ethnicities on different ethnicities on the search team. Uh, we have a, a woman that's going to serve on the search team, uh, a young lady who has been a part of uh, a church revitalization. Her church was running about 30 in 2009. Now they're exploding. They planted 10 churches across wow. Colorado. That's amazing. So, yeah, so we, we've got a good mix of young, middle-aged, and old on the team. So I'm really excited. Uh, this the, the, the stage is really set right now. Mark has done a great job. He's for a great foundation to build on that foundation. And I'll tell you, it's it's just the the opportunities in Colorado right now are really pretty incredible. Well, I know you've you've had a, a church planning because of the Sin City, Denver being a Sin City. Uh, you've got church planning kind of taken off there in the state as well, you know, with NAM. So it, it's one of those places where the, the population is growing in Colorado. It, it seems like a, a prime opportunity for the church to really make an impact in the state. Yeah, we need, right now, we need 132 churches to be planted in, in Denver proper. In Just in Denver, 132. Listen, in Denver, we have 175 different languages spoken in the wow. Denver metro area. I was going to ask how diverse Colorado is. I think people people don't really think diversity when they think Colorado, but like you just said, I mean, 175 languages in the one city. That, that's, right. quite a, that's kind of astounding. Yeah, listen, 18% of the population of Colorado was born outside of the United States, and only 15.1% of our population are, are native Coloradians. Wow. So a lot so, of transplants there. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, just like yeah, me. Like, 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 yes, yeah. exactly. You know, it's really interesting. 115 zip codes out of 200 zip codes on the front range have no Southern Baptist Church. Well, that's amazing. It, it's just, like I said, the stage is set for just— someone to come in and really take the state convention to the next level. All right. Well, uh, you mentioned the makeup of the committee. What, what kind of timeline are you guys looking for? I know that Mark will be leaving in June uh, and retiring officially in June. So what kind of timeline are you looking to have a successor in by? Well, I'm going to introduce our seven-member team at our executive board meeting coming up uh, the second Monday in January. Okay. We'll be meeting in Denver, and I'm going to meet with them at 9 o'clock in the morning, just kind of some instruction, some advice, some counsel. We're going to go out to lunch and eat together, and then we'll come back at 1 o'clock and spend about an hour in prayer. At 2 o'clock, the meeting starts, and I'm going to bring everybody in, introduce each team member and why they're such a valued part of the team, and then we're going to spend a concerted amount of time in prayer with them and for them. So we'll turn them loose in January, and I think by the time... You know, I think we could have someone by July when Mark is stepping down. It's going to be his birthday in July, so that will be his last date. And if not, you know, uh, we, we we really hope to have someone by October at the latest. Yeah. And just to roll somebody out maybe at the state convention. So uh, the window of, Jan of January to July, longest October. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that are interested in this position because of the great challenges and opportunities that Colorado presents. Now, uh, I know the uh, – just tell us a little bit about the state. You, you mentioned the demographics of the state. There's what, th about 350 Southern Baptist churches and church plants right now in Colorado. Did I get that number right? 
yes, that that is accurate. Uh, so it kind of fluctuates. Uh, but with San Denver, you know, we're really trying to plant a lot more churches and especially along the front range as well. And then whenever it comes to CP, I know you guys are moving toward that 50-50 that uh, a lot of states are headed toward. Yeah, it, we're not a gigantic no. convention. So, you know, we, we are reducing costs. Um, you know, we are, are doing our very best to uh, move toward that 50-50 uh, split with uh, national CP and state convention, no shared expenses. Uh, Mark has led the way on that. I think it, as you look back at his legacy, that one of the key uh, issues in his legacy would be moving our state direction, our convention in that direction of 50-50 split. Now, we mentioned at the top of the interview some legislation in Colorado and some of the unique challenges that provides or that presents to the churches there in the state. Uh, the most recent legislation was the uh, doctor-assisted suicide, and, and you know, famously, uh, Colorado also became, I, I think it was the, the first state in the union to legalize marijuana usage uh, maybe a year ago or so. So h- how have those two things you know, kind of challenged the church and, and presented opportunities for the church in the state? Well, it is challenging. Let me say this, that the assisted suicide proponents rolled out Madison Avenue. I mean, it was just slick. They didn't even mention the word suicide. It was end of life proposal. Mm. Yeah, we have some new research that just came from Lifeway. Uh, We talked about it on last week's episode about this. So, Yeah, yeah. let me just say this. The teen suicide is just uh, out of control in El Paso County, where I live, uh, Colorado Springs. As a matter of fact, an article published last month in Newsweek magazine depicted Colorado Springs as the teen suicide capital of the nation. Oh, wow. So here we are passing uh, a law that legalizes assisted suicide. So what that does, it just tells people who are struggling emotionally and psychologically, hey, it's not a big deal. Yeah, suicide isn't a big deal. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's tragic. You know, we're seeing high numbers of, uh, also in our military, the highest numbers uh, on record, re- really, uh, from what we've learned from data that we've received. And, of course, you know, Colorado Springs is a heavily populated uh, military presence. Yeah, I was going to ask because the whole state seems to be heavily military populated. Well, yeah, Colorado Springs itself, we have 20 percent of our population is military related. Yeah. We have uh, Fort Carson, we have uh, Shreve Air Force Base, we have Peterson Air Force Base, we have Air Force Academy, we have NORAD in the mountain. Yeah. So it's just it's just mind-boggling that that the state would pass this assisted suicide law when suicide is such a profound issue and problem in our state. Now, with the legalization of marijuana, that's another whole issue in itself. Um uh, one of the reasons that Colorado is a fast grow, or the second fastest growing state in the nation is because of the legalization of marijuana. Believe it or not, people are leaving their jobs, uprooting their kids from their schools, moving to Colorado so they can smoke pot. And not only that, but the homeless population of Col- uh, in Colorado, especially around the Front Range, has just grown exponentially. And uh, researchers say that one of the main primary reasons is because of the legalization of marijuana. Hmm. It is a serious problem, and, uh, and people are blinded to the severity of this problem itself. 
So churches that are not in the Colorado area, so we, you know, we have a lot of listeners. Obviously, our, our SPC um, demographics skew to the southeast. Uh, we have listeners from all over the country, but most of our listeners in the southeast. If their churches are, you know, wanting to help fellow Southern Baptist churches out in Colorado, how do they, how do they help churches like yours, like others? Uh, you mentioned that all those church plants that are needed, obviously, they can get in touch with NAM and talk to those guys about the Sin City out there in, in Denver. But what are some of the ways that they can help out churches in the Colorado area? You know, maybe maybe it's just to do whatever it may be for homeless ministry or you know com- combating these uh, the problems that are coming as a result of you know some of these legalizations and and legislation. Oh, absolutely. You know, we 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 have is, you know teen ministry, marijuana, teen ministry, assisted suicide. So, and, and by the way, let me say this: what starts out here is coming your way. Yeah. I mean, when I came out here 15 years ago, it was a postmodern mindset. I left Kentucky, which is a modern mindset, and I came to a postmodern mindset. And it's coming. It's coming to the South. As a matter of fact, it probably is already there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been gone a long time. But but the thing is, we have to educate people. And then let me just say that that is coming your way. So churches need to prepare. Churches need to be together. They need to be able to have the information prepared to share with churches, to share with pastors, to prepare for what is coming. You can be assured that the other side is well-financed. Mm-hmm. And being a faith community, obviously, we're not well-financed. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're just believers, and we give our money to the local church. These unbelievers, they don't give their money to the local church. They have this money, and they, you know, they, and they bring in the power, powerful interests from out, out of the state— and, you know, that's what that's what won the day for the assisted suicide was not the people inside the state. It was the the powerful interest outside the state coming in and and uh, pouring the money in our state to to manipulate the media, to manipulate information into to manipulating people to believe that actually end of life was something that was really good. When in in essence, it is a disaster not only for older people who are dying, but also for people who are contemplating taking their own lives. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Before we go, I want I have one question for you. Uh, I know that you're an avid business book reader. Oh, and absolutely. So, uh, what's the best business book you read in 2016? Oh my goodness, that that is hard. Uh, I think it would be The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Yep. Uh, Corporate health trumps corporate strategy. A brilliant book. Yeah, and matter fact, very applicable to the church. Yeah, matter of fact, I led my staff through that book. And also recently, what I've done about a year ago is I started conversations on leadership. And I invited members of our church to join me to read a one book a quarter to help us to equip us to become better leaders. And that was our last book, was Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage. It's it's really a brilliant book. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Mike, for joining us today and sharing with us about Colorado. Uh, you will be in our prayers, and, and so will that search committee as they look to uh, find the successor for Mark Edlin, the retiring state executive director out there. Thanks again. Hey, I appreciate it, and thanks for your prayer support. All right. Thanks for that. Um, I really appreciate Dr. Rout uh, taking the time uh, to, to talk to us and to our listeners. So thanks for getting that interview together, Jonathan. All right. Well, we're going to move on to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. 
I was trying to find something serious for this week. I really was because and then this happened. Then this happened. Yeah. So we're going to go to 1992. So it's not, not that long ago. It's about uh, 24 years ago. And, um, it's, it's a story that was in Baptist press on December 15th about a church in Escondido, California. Uh, and it was Bethel Baptist church. So John Swartz, he he's, he's the pastor. He read an article about a preacher in Davenport, Iowa, who said, he made the comment, I, if, I, if I thought it would help our church's weekly visitation, I'd be willing to kiss a pig. And that story had appeared in Baptist Press. So this pastor uses it as um, a sermon illustration, and then he said, if I thought it would stimulate members from our church to go out and visit and reach new prospects in the community, I too would be willing to kiss a pig. And so... His deacon chairman and his and uh, his deacon chairman and wife immediately took up the challenge, and they started something they called Pig Mania. Um, it was a, a, a long visitation program over several weeks. They were trying to increase, you know, involvement, but it had to really succeed. So he said, um, "I will not kiss a real live uh, red hot pig for a lukewarm effort," and he agreed only if the visitation emphasis turned out to be the best in the church's history. So it had to be the best. So they had weekly events for the outreach. They had pig out piggyback night in which they uh, had homemade ice cream. They had ham it up with ham sandwiches, porker night with uh, baby back barbecued ribs. Okay. Now you're, you're getting, you're gaining my interest now. Reach a friend by phone, hog calling. Oh, you lost me. And, and hogtie a friend, encouraging members to call friends and encourage them to attend services. They also um, distributed bright pink piggy banks during Bible study classes to help collect money for the refreshments. So people started coming to visitation. So they had had eight, like eight people that would come to visitation. And we used to do weekly visitation at our church in Virginia, and that's about the number. It's a very yep. small amount. Mm -hmm. It grew from eight to ten, then to a hundred. And before, and before it was over, because they kept coming, there's this pig theme. Before it was over, they made 1,687 contacts. So then the church celebrated the um, dedication of the new children's building and, and November 15th. So I'm kind of I'm kind of fudging on this because the story ran this week. It really didn't happen this week, but the story was too good. I couldn't hold it back. So they had baked ham at a luncheon, and then they introduced a six-month-old registered Vietnamese pot-bellied pig named Mercy. And then eight days later, 106 outreach visitors were on hand, and he fulfilled his pledge, and he kissed the pig. And the group went hog wild, according to the story. Then he turned to share the moment with his wife, and instead of the kiss, like he was going to kiss the pig and then kiss her, she had a cream pie in her hand and got a pie in the face. And so then the deacon said, no matter how you dress up a pig, it's still a pig. No matter how you dress up church outreach and visitation, it's still witnessing for the Lord. I don't know how to even present this story except to say I present it without comment. But this is one of the most creative. Okay, I, I do have one comment. It's a very creative visitation program. So I think the most 
interesting part of this story is that it took place in Escondido, California. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I've seen the the whole kissing the pig thing. I've seen that gesture, and usually it's VBS related. Um, yeah, you know we. Wow. I, I think the interesting part is that they introduced the pig on the day that they served ham at the lunch, and I want to know: did they did was the was it in the same room? That they were eating the ham. It reminds me of it reminds yeah. me of Drew not wanting to have the hot dog. Uh, yes, that night. Yes, when he the, was dressed as a hot dog yes. for, for Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <sighs> anyway, we'll put this in the show notes. There's also some uh, so, some other stories in there. Always very interesting. Um, a restaurant and a church uh, teaming up for youth ministry. Um, a Texas church that took their living Christmas tree uh, to uh, the, to a prison as part of their prison ministry. So Baptists have always been doing very interesting things through the years, and uh, so you you can check that out. But um, I'll just say this story was told this week in SBC history, and of all the visitations I've been a part of, that's definitely the most unique. But one thousand what one thousand. Um, 687 contacts. That's pretty amazing. Hmm. All right. <laughs> there you go. Wow. You're speechless. You're speechless. This is the first, this is the first this week in SBC history that I have wow. truly, maybe I'm, you know, you said blow, blow our minds. There you go. Mind That's, blown. Yeah. Blown. Um, it, it just, it, it kind of makes me wonder where, like, at what point do they like, Hey, BP, check out what we're doing here. I mean, like, how does, how does Baptist press find out about a church in Escondido, California doing something with a, a pig for outreach? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, maybe the, he'd said he had been a past president of the state convention. Maybe the state convention knew about it. Maybe they sent it in. All right. I don't know. We see Some stories of these stories, the I just kind of wonder, like, how, how do you... All right. Well, that, that was different. Very Mind unique. blown, Amy. Success this week in SBC history. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to resources of the week. If your resource of the week is Benton's ham or uh, <laughs> right brand bacon, then um, we, we, you know, I don't know what to do. Amy, your resource of the week is... All right, my resource is going into next week. It's a book by Sally Lloyd-Jones that she did a few years ago, and it's a children's book. It's called Song of the Stars, A Christmas Story, Uh, and it's been out for about five years now, but it's it's really just focuses on um, that night. It's kind of the animals around um, as as. Christmas is coming as this star is up in the sky. And so we we have a lot of traditions that we do with our kids. We have a, a, some special Advent um, calendars, things like that. But every year on uh, Christmas Eve night, uh, that's that's something that we read before they go, uh, go to sleep. And obviously, I mean, they're um, 11 and almost 13. So children's books like this are not something that's a typical part of our life anymore um, at this reading level, but these are family traditions that are really special. So if you're looking for something like that, uh, this is a really, really good one. And it's still, uh, it's available on Amazon. Um, if you have Prime, you can get it in a couple of days. So you still, there's time to get it. Uh, or, or even if you don't have Prime, there's probably still time to get it before next week. So I'm going to throw that out there. And you might be able to even pick it up at your local Lifeway store, Amy. 
Yes, there's that too. I'm sorry. Yes. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Yes. And if Go the to your local Lifeway store. Yeah. And if the name Sally Lloyd-Jones rings a bell, it's because... She also wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's right. And was here in Nashville uh, yep. Sunday night, Monday night, reading the opening for the Behold the Lamb of God at the Ryman. Which oh, let me tell you, it you didn't did get not any better make it than to. that. Yep. No, they weren't in our area this year, and uh, it's it was it was going to be tough to to make a, a trip for it, but we'll catch you next year. My resource of the week is the group Veritas. Now, Amy, you've uh, been at Lifeway, you've worked at Lifeway, you've seen Lifeway Christmas chapels in yes. years gone by. Um, yes. And I think the one that I would have seen that you would have been at when we overlapped at Lifeway would have been, I think, Charles Billingsley um, would have been yes. the yeah. the featured performer. Usually it's uh, the Lifeway Choir and Orchestra and stuff or whatever, plus someone. Well, this year's someone was Veritas, a five-member, uh, a quintet, I guess, uh, vocal group of uh, men, mostly from the University of Mobile, Southern Baptist College down there in nice. Mobile, Alabama. And uh, they are just fantastic. So we, they let us in uh, what... I don't know if it's the best Christmas chapel life was ever had, but if it's not, I would love to see the one that beat it because it was fantastic. They were great. Uh, the music and everything from the Lifeway choir, fantastic. And we also had Christy Knuckles stop in and, and join oh, us. Oh, wow. So, uh, which deal. I'm a huge fan of hers. So uh, that was uh, really exciting stuff this past week. So Veritas, pick up the album. It, it, it was just really, really solid sound, great music. Uh, these guys, they know what they're doing, so I was impressed. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thanks again to Mike Rout for being with us, and uh, we will have an episode next week. Uh, Amy, you know what we're going to be talking about next week? Christmas. Well, that and the Pastors Conference uh, for oh, yeah. 2017. Yeah. The names were announced uh, on recording day, and I've got an interview with Dave Miller I'm going to work into next week. So we will have yeah. him on here to discuss all things Pastors Conference and uh, the, the 12 that they have selected. They're uh, the lucky band Very of brothers exciting. that will be bringing the messages uh, at the Pastors Conference in Phoenix next year. Very exciting. And we'll also be prepping a couple of special episodes yeah. uh, to, to be after that. We're going to do some pre-recording um, as I'll be headed out of the country. And uh, the, those are going to be fun. We'll go back and look at this past year's uh, predictions and, and thoughts and questions that we had and also some some questions for the new year. Uh, in 2017, yeah. I'll be out of uh, town that, that week uh, after New Year's. You'll be out of town the week before. So uh, a couple of pre-taped episodes for you, but coming at you and uh, just really kind of recapping this year and looking forward to the next year and uh, what we can expect in the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, and what we saw in the year that was 2016. So thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>